Welcome to the RNA School Library Journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Today is the annual Travis and Colby year in review. I am sitting here in my classroom right before winter break with a sheet of all of these categories we're going to be talking about. And Travis, where are you? I am at home. I am downstairs in my basement. Normally when we record this, I'm at my in my closet with like mounds of clothes around me for sound reasons. But um, I thought since we were doing this video component this year, I needed to step it up. So I'm just down here by my bookshelf. Hmm. I notice you, you do not have your book strategically placed in the background like you would do. <laughs> no, I don't. It's actually... Get up your game. It's, it's, it's just off camera right now, actually, though. It is up there. Uh, <laughs> Abrams would be so disappointed. <laughs> so disappointed. Uh, all right, so let's just kick things off. Travis and I today are going to be talking about all different sorts of things from 2023. Uh, we hope you like it. If you just, uh, subscribe to the show, our next episode, which is coming here in a couple of weeks, we will be talking about 2024 books and all that we're excited about as we head into yes. a new year. So yes. Travis, in 2023, how was reading different for you in 2023? So this year was unusual in that it was totally the same. I feel like this year and last year, my reading habits, the types of books that I read, my motivations for reading, honestly, it just kind of stayed the same as it was before. It's like... Um, I'm really picky and choosy, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, I, if, I go, if I go for a book, it's a book that I really am super interested in, that I want to finish, I'm not um, necessarily like, you know, picking things up, picking a lot of things up and putting them down part way through, that sort of a thing. So that was the same as last year, but what about for you? It's funny that you say that, because I have written down, read more graphic novels, and I'm not sure if this was just copy and pasted from last year, like you create the new document. And I'm not sure if I wrote that when you did or if you left that in there, because I feel like that's like my thing again this year. And it probably was last year. I There's just so many great graphic novels um, from uh, the ghost book to Duel to uh, First Time for Everything Mexican books that we'll be talking about in this conversation. Um but for me, I was not like hooked on graphic novels like seven, eight, nine years ago. Uh, but now I feel like there's just as many great graphic novels as anything else that are coming out each year. So I've really enjoyed those. How about your favorite picture book of the year? All right, let's get right into it here. For, so for favorite picture book, um, a lot of times I think, you know, what was a book that I just loved reading but also I could tell that students enjoyed too. I work in an elementary school library, kindergarten through third grade, and we do a mock uh, Caldecott program every year. And one of the books in that program this year was Evergreen by Matthew Cordell. And I just found myself, you know, during the course of the week, I have to read that book to like 20 different classes or something. And every time I read it, I was enjoying it. Like, uh, in the book, it's uh, it's this really cool mix of like classic storytelling, but also a little bit of like a, a format that you don't see so much nowadays. You know, um, it's kind of like uh, that a timeless sort of like uh, Red Riding Hood story. You know, where Evergreen has to get this soup to her to her granny by the end of the book, and kind of runs into all these obstacles and different characters along the way, and at every step she has to overcome different fears, and then it has this just classic twist ending at the end where Granny Oak is not who you think Granny Oak is going to be. I feel like Cordell really leaned into it like his frog and toad 
um, Arnold Lobel uh, instincts on this one. Like the color palette is kind of like that murky brown green sort of a thing. And it's broken up into parts too. It's not just um, like a 32 page standard picture book. Um, each character that gets introduced has their own part of the story. So it's a longer story too, but kids were right there with me the whole time. I was liking it as much as they were. And when I think back on this year, I'll always be thinking, man, that was just such a fun book to read to students. Um, what about you? What was your favorite picture book? Well, before we get to that, if this is your first conversation that you've listened to with Travis and I, there's something that you need to know. I always give Travis a hard time for things and he never gives me a hard time. <laughs> He's like way nicer than me. So Travis has just said his true. favorite picture book of the year was written and illustrated by Matthew Cordell, which you may or may not know could be Travis just trying to promote his 2024 book, <laughs> which is with Matthew Cordell. So he's trying to butter. So Travis has a book coming out in 2024 that is illustrated by Matthew Cordell. So I, I believe that Travis loves Evergreen. I trust his choice, but maybe subconsciously it has something to do with your love for Matthew Cordell right now. What's the, what's the book? What's book is, is Matthew illustrating of yours? Um, so it's called the ship in and the window. It comes out in August. Yeah. Maybe I have Matthew Cordell on the brain or something. I don't know. Yeah. Matthew Cordell on the brain. So, and you can see like Travis doesn't even play along. He just gives you like the, he's not going to like banter back and forth. He's just going <laughs> to giggle and just make me talk too much. All right. So for me, uh, Travis, it was my Baba's garden by Jordan Scott and Sydney Smith. I just thought it was just a beautiful story. Um, and it had like that circular feel to it where we start with this boy taking care or being taken care of by his grandmother um, in this really beautiful way. And then at, at, tour, at the end of the book, when the grandmother moves in with the boy and his family, um, him taking care of his grandma and doing some of the same things for her that she did for him. So I thought that that was beautiful. The, the pairing of uh, Jordan Scott and Sidney Smith back together again after I talk like a river. See, this is why it helps to be sitting by my bookshelf. I can just grab books right off there. Um, this book was incredible, fantastic. And it's like this book, uh, uh, My Baba's Garden, was just such a, like a worthy follow-up for those two to be working together again. Beautiful story. You could tell it's just like so heartfelt. Mm. So... Uh, one of my favorite categories that we talk about, and this one was hard for me, Travis, I actually didn't pick my answer. Uh, so the, the category here is favorite page turn of the year, and I'll, I'll share mine first. Um, we are studying in fifth grade slavery uh, right now, which is not really the, like the most fun. It's never, obviously, it's very serious, and but it's pretty depressing. The kids are really interested and really curious, and uh, I really appreciate the, the the work that they put into it. But like we're finishing up the unit the week before winter break so it's like we have all these like jolly exciting things happening in school and then social studies comes and it's pretty depressing um but Kwame Alexander Dale Coulter wrote a book called this year called An American Story and there is a the beginning of the book opens with people living freely in West Africa and just just doing their everyday things and and there's a scene of this man just like laying in the grass with a smile on his face and then you turn the page and across the two page spread are hands um chained together just like from like the forearm down it's one of the most powerful um page turns and spreads for me in 2023 
Yeah, the illustrator for that book, she um, she illustrated this picture book. She also does like sculpture. She does big giant murals. Like you can tell that in the way that she illustrates the book. Like she uses a lot of different elements that come into the artwork and it's really uh, unique artwork as well, which makes it even more um, powerful. My favorite page turn was Big by Vashti Harrison. And this was kind of a unique page turn because normally the page just turns from one side to the other. You know, you turn it over and see what what it reveals. But in big, um, this was a gatefold page turn reveal, a double gatefold. Um, I feel like a lot of books, they throw in a, a gatefold just kind of like because the illustrator wanted a gatefold because it's cool to have a <laughs> gatefold in their book. Uh, but this one really... Uh, earns it and it's really integral to the story you know the main character of the book she's sort of like feeling trapped she is on on this really cool series of pay, wordless pages um, she's growing bigger and bigger until she hardly fits in the the framework of a picture book you know she's kind of like taking up the entire two-page spread and then on the next page you turn it and the double gatefold opens and that's kind of like her f first step to kind of finding a solution to her problems in the story and um, this is another one. I read it for the Armat Caldecott unit. I loved showing that to students and it's just like the, the, the best page turns. There's just like that element of surprise and that one definitely had it and it just totally fit with the story too. I feel like big is one of those books as we go through these categories that you could have for like five or six different categories that we talk yep. about. And yep. I don't, I don't know what your thought process is, but I, went through it and then I was like oh I have the same book three or four times so I would mm -hmm. like try to switch it so that I could talk about as many books but yeah Big is a book I'm sure we'll be talking about later on in yep. this conversation yep. favorite novel the Travis Yonker 196 page or bust <laughs> famous blog post Travis believes that all middle grade novels was it 196 pages I believe was it 96 that was 192 like 190 something yes so Travis six is, six is thinks, clearly too many. One ninety six is too many. No, yeah, that's like the epilogue. Yeah. Yeah. So favorite favorite novel, Travis, or longer nonfiction? Yeah, I added that in there because um, my choice here is the Mona Lisa vanishes, and I'll read the whole subtitle because it kind of explains the book: a legendary painter, a shocking heist, and the birth of a global celebrity. And that's written by Nicholas Day. And this is just such a great nonfiction book. It's about this famous theft of the Mona Lisa in the early 1900s. And um, it really kind of gets into the details of how that theft made the Mona Lisa the most famous painting in the world. You know, it wasn't, it didn't have the same sort of status that it does before that robbery occurred. But I love how it gets into all the details of the actual robbery. Um, it, it goes into like um, who could have done it and then it talks about the whole like sort of reaction around the world, the reaction of France, the reaction of people in other countries, of the speculation of who they think may have stolen the painting. They talk about like fingerprint technology. They talk Pablo Picasso makes this like out of nowhere yeah. appearance in the book. It's just awesome. And it's just mm -hmm. some of the best nonfiction of the yeah. year, longer nonfiction. Yeah. Um, and they talk about Mona, Mona Lisa as a person. Yep. That's part of it. And, yep, how the yeah. painting was created. I mean, they hit it from all angles, yeah. and it's really fascinating all around. Yeah, I had no idea that the painting wasn't like popular, really, until it was stolen. I had yeah. no idea. Yep, same. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite books. Uh, favorite 
middle grade novel for me. I went with Simon Sort of Says by Aaron Bow. It is a story of a boy who is who moves to a town. Um, what's I can't remember the the name of what kind of town it is, but they don't have internet. They they can't use microwaves. They can't listen to radios uh, because it is a town that is searching for like life on other planets. So they need all of the waves to be dedicated to that. And this boy has moved to this town to get away from something. And you're not sure what it is that they are needing a fresh start for. And he meets some people along the way and uh, that are kind of quirky like him. Uh, his mom is a mortician. And it's just like uncovering what happened to him uh, was really shocking. It was really, it made it a much heavier book. Um, but it's easy to see why that book is showing up on all of the Mott Caldecott list. It's really, really beautiful. What about uh, favorite graphic novel for you, Colby? Interesting because I'm actually I'm not going to say what's on the list because I finished one this week and I'm going to pick that one, and it uh, I hadn't read it, uh, Duel by Jessica and Aaron Bagley and you interviewed them for the yarn, and I was really intrigued intrigued by it. It sounded like the book almost broke Aaron, like yeah. like the drawing the art was just like <laughs> like he's never going to finish it. He's never doing this again. He's like doing everything like the hardest possible way, mm-hmm. uh, but. I just love the this the eighth grade sister, the sixth grade sister. They're dealing with their father, you know, got sick and and, and passed away after a, a battle with a disease, and they're struggling. And mom is struggling and overwhelmed. And the very first day of school, with them being in sixth and eighth grade, the eighth grader trips the sixth grader and then challenges her to a duel. But I just loved it. I loved how it told a graphic novel from two different characters' points of view. I thought that was brilliant. Uh, I, I just couldn't stop turning the pages. Such an easy book to sell to my fifth graders. Like it's being one of those books that's being read every day by a different kid, and then it's just getting passed around and around and around. So duel for me. How about you, Mister Yonker? Uh, Mexican by Pedro Martin, another friend of the show. Uh, he was on the podcast. He was on the podcast recently, uh, talking about this book. So this is one where I had kind of heard it was coming because I was following Pedro Martin on Instagram and he has an Instagram account called uh, Mexican stories. I think it is. And he was sharing some of these like short little stories from his childhood, true stories from his childhood in comic form. And then I heard, Oh, he's got a book coming out. And then it's like, Oh, it's going to be a graphic novel memoir. Oh, it's going to be for younger readers. Like I had no idea any of that. Uh, And then when it came out, it just blew me away. It was so good. It's a family story. Uh, It's about him and his family traveling to Mexico. um, And they, you know, are reunited with their grandfather down there. And their grandfather kind of has this like mythic status where he's like built up in in, um, Pedro's mind as like this larger than life figure. And there are so many funny and really like heartfelt stories that take place along on this road trip. Um, there's like one of the grossest scenes of the year when the pop rocks come out, you know, there's this deer story. That's just like an absolute showstopper at the end of the book. It's just unbelievable. Um, just one of the funniest, uh, graphic novels of the year. And I think, I think, uh, it's, this is another one. It's hard not to put it in a lot of different categories for our, uh, year in review. Yeah. I really enjoyed the family dynamic of 
like the older kids were born in Mexico and the younger kids were born in the United States and how that was kind of a divide in the family of like who's more Mexican. Um, and didn't you think like there's some of the spreads were so beautifully designed? Like yep. it looked like they would just can't imagine how much time it took to create. Was he the yep. one who said that the book was really long when he made it? Yeah, it was almost double the length. And then the editor was <laughs> like, hey, we got to shorten this up. <laughs> And he, and it actually it was one of those things where I think it ended up working good, working well yeah. because he was like, okay, what's the best absolute nece- necessary things that I need to tell in this story, and it ended up making it even better, I think. Yeah, and this is uh, the next category, favorite book for grownups, and every year I select the one book for grownups that I read. Yeah. So this year it was Frederick Backman's. Bear Town, which my wife recommended. Have you heard of this Bear Town book, Travis? Uh, no. So it's a it's so he wrote the book A Man Called Ove, which became A Man Called Otto the movie with Tom Hanks. I don't know it. Don't even know that. Nope. Nice. So Bear Town is it's like a Scandinavian town where it's all about this junior hockey team, and uh, I think it was actually turned into like an Amazon Prime show, but basically there's a murder. You find out at the beginning of the book. And then it goes back in time and you're like following this hockey team for a season and you have no idea who it is that's going to get murdered and all kinds of stuff's happening. It's like all these people could get murdered. So I really enjoyed that. I listened to to that book on some long car rides. Um, So that was the one adult book that I read and I loved it. How about you, Travis? Uh, um, that story, okay, Yellow Jackets, I think is the name of the show that it, that's based on. Because I remember hearing about some like hockey team. Okay murder show (laughs) yellow jackets so but i've heard that's a good show too um so two books i put on my list here because they kind of fall in the same like category a little bit yellow face by rf quang and the writing retreat by julia bartz i read both of these books this year both books have a writer as the main character and both of them have like this sort of like plagiarism twist in the story where the main character either is confronted with plagiarism or, you know, has to like deal with it. Um, and both of these books were just complete page turners. Yellowface, um, it's a story about two female writers and they go to a college together. They graduate. One becomes way more successful than the other one. And they're hanging out one night and the way more successful author dies. And the less successful writer is in, is in the apartment and, knows that there is an almost complete manuscript sitting on the table of this much more successful writer's desk. And she ends up taking it. And it's kind of the story is like, what's she going to do with this manuscript? Does she publish it? Does she not? Does she finish it? And then there's all kinds of twists in that story. And then the writing retreat, it's... um a woman gets invited to this writing retreat at like a really famous author's mansion. It's almost like a, like an Anne Rice, like Gothic um, horror sort of writer. And there's all these other writers who are invited and they think they're just going to work on whatever project they have that they're working on. But it turns out that once they're there, they're not allowed to leave and they need to finish an entire novel in a month. And the one, the person that writes the best novel as judged by this famous writer uh, will get published and will get all these perks um, but then there's there's kind of like some dark twists that happen in that story as well. Um, both of them were like, I just had to keep going to the finish. I couldn't stop reading both of them to see how the books were going to end. So they both, I highly recommend both of them. What was your favorite non-book 
thing of the year, Colby. This is always a really interesting category. Yeah, and you always have like a lot. Like I don't, and I'm looking at what Travis has a document. I don't even know what some of it means, so I'm very excited. Um, for me, I I really fell hard for Mr. Beast. I know he's like really popular with the children, um, and he has this channel. This it's called Beast Philanthropy, where he does all of these nice things. I've heard of this. And um, like he like gives wells to people in Africa or helps dogs who can't walk have like wheelchairs behind all like these really great things. And so I started watching those with my six year old son and he loves Mr. Beast. I don't even know if he knew who he was, but just all the kids love it. So that's really fun. Like anytime there's a new beast philanthropy video, we always watch that when we're like folding, folding laundry or something like that. So I'm all in on Mr. Beast. I don't have like a t-shirt or any of the swag, but anytime we, um, Anytime we go to the grocery store, we always if it if it's like a one with the Mr. Beast chocolate bars, they really he really wants one of those. So I, I bought like, a few feastables. I feel like you get a lot done while you're folding laundry. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of laundry yeah, to fold sure. probably over there. So. I watched a, I watched I watched a half a season of uh, I finally watched them. Oh, this is what was what should also have been on my list. I finally started watching Game of Thrones. Oh wow. Have you watched that? No, I have not. No, um, I, wa- I tried to watch it. Yeah, I was gonna try to watch it on like the plane, but um, there's a lot of there's a lot of like nakedness in the uh, show, so yeah. I was very uncomfortable watching it on the plane. <laughs> so, now that's not one I watch with my six year old son. Um, but you know, anyways, Travis, I digress. Your your turn. What what's on your okay your list a, of I have a other big things long besides Shalom? I feel like you live for this list. Like you're just looking for an outlet for all of these things you're really interested in that don't fit on the 100 scope notes blog. And here it is, Travis's moment okay. where he can share. I've waited 12 months and now I'm ready to to go through this list. Um okay, first thing, non-book thing, favorite non-book thing of the year, trading cards. Who would have guessed it? I, my son got into trading cards and so I've been getting into it with him. It's been a really fun thing for us to do together. But I also have found that if you are a grown man and you start talking about trading cards to other people, you're like the guy who wants to talk about Bitcoin or something. Like no one wants to hear football, it. Yeah. Fantasy football, yeah. Fantasy but no one wants to hear it. So I'm just going to keep moving. Um, the radio. Okay, the radio. I have re, uh, reignited my love for the radio. This is another one with my kids. So, okay, you get into your car the setup is always terrible. You're trying to plug your phone into the jack or it connects with Bluetooth. It always sucks. It doesn't connect the right way. You know what? Just turn on the radio. You don't have to make any decisions. You don't have to worry about your phone. Me and my kids, when we've been driving, there's like this top 40 radio station, which that was like a big thing when I was a kid, top 40 radio station, just what's the popular music right now. And so um, we've just been listening to that and loving it. They still do. Ryan Seacrest still does like the yeah. American Top 40 countdown on the weekend. <laughs> it's great. It just took me back to my days of like recording songs off the radio. That's okay. me. I actually bought a um, radio because we have a pool now. And I'm like, I don't want this to be people are just like picking songs on their phone. Like I just want to like chill at the pool for a few hours. So like, let's do the radio. And I was loving it. But the kids, it's, they're not, they're, they just want to listen. They just want to pick like every song. But I'm like, but then you're on your phone. Like we're just here to like chill and read our books and, and swim. So 
Yeah. We even have like a serious, I even got like a serious XM subscription. So we just like, let's, there's this lithium station. Travis saw like nineties grunge. It's so good. I'm familiar with lithium. All right. We've got a long list here. What's next? (laughs) Okay. I'll keep it moving. Rabbits. Now I am not a pet or animal person at all. Um, but we got a rabbit this year. Um, a teacher at my school, her daughter was moving away to college and had a pet rabbit at their house. And my kids and my wife were all interested in getting a pet. And so I was like, okay, well, let's, let's do this. Let's have, let's get this rabbit. The rabbit's name is Norma Jean, the jumping bean. Norma is a lion's head rabbit, which means she sort of has like a mane of hair around her neck. Um, and it's been really fun. So maybe I'm slightly, you know, a little bit more of a pet person now. Okay. Next thing podcast, the blocks podcast. It's with the comedian Neil Brennan and he co-created the Chappelle show with Dave Chappelle and he has some, some stand-up specials on Netflix and he just has comedian friends come on and they talk about like their issues, their blocks, their like mental blocks basically. And it's just, it's really funny. It's really interesting. Sticker mule, the website sticker mule. I found out about this one, um, from maybe it was Greg Pizzoli, maybe it was um, Adam Rex's Substack newsletter. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try this out. It's awesome. Uh, Sticker Mule, if you have any sticker needs, you can go there. And it's great. We got to do that for the yarn stickers. Did you Um, buy a sticker? I did. I had some made of some artwork for Just One Flake. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they turned out great. They were like really, they did like an awesome job with it. They like check with you to make sure it all looks good and everything. It's really cool. Now, last For a second, year, I thought you were listening to his Sticker Mule podcast, but there's a comma there in your notes. So oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, last year, we talked about the Ziffy Womper sled. In oh, this yeah. Category. Did that, did that ever Zentz. come to be? Yeah. No, I forgot about it since that podcast. Okay. Dang. And there's no snow in Michigan right now, at least down None. in the southern no. part of Michigan where we are. So uh, we haven't had any chance to even think about sledding. Yeah. Much. I do want to say that Travis... Uh, I was telling Travis recently, we because Travis can talk to, about sports cards with me. Like I am the, we have this speech texting thing we do where we just like talking to messages. And I was telling him about this one card that I always wanted. Travis, you bought me the card that I've always wanted my whole life. So yesterday I get home and there's something from Travis and I'm like, oh, this is like a zine or a sticker or, or some weird cool art. It is a 1989 Upper Deck Ken Griffey Jr. card, like the card of my dreams that for some reason as an adult, I just refuse to spend the, the, the money, which is not it, like it's ridiculous that I haven't bought this. And I was telling Travis how ridiculous. So he just sent it to me. So Travis, that was like one of the nicest gifts. It was definitely the most surprising gift I've ever got. So that was very kind of you. Thank you. Oh, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. 2023, what will it be remembered for? Oh, oh I skipped a category best time we rip on each other on Twitter. I have not, I never have anything in this category. This is a, you need to rip on me right. more on Twitter. You, you yeah, you it's know, X Twitter. Yeah. Well, X, whatever. Um, okay. This one isn't even really that good. I just, there's this window company in Michigan and it's called sharp. And so all of their vehicles say sharp in really big letters on the doors. And so I posted a picture of one of the cars <laughs> and I've tried to make it look like you actually, like had that decal <laughs> added onto the side of your car. I was like, man, this is too far, Colby. I don't agree with this. Uh, and your response was great. Do you remember what your response was? I honestly <laughs> did not know what this meant. 
until you were halfway through the story. You just played right along and you were like, it's all about branding, man. It's all about branding. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the brand. So, yeah. So that's that that one wasn't even really that great. And it wasn't even really ripping on you that hard. But, you know, it, it I a, should get one of those like magnets that you put on the car that say sharp. Because I we've talked about this. I'm coming to Holland in next month for a gymnastics meet, and I yes. should just like pull up, just drive down your street, and just hawk on my way to the beach. What will 2023 be remembered for, Travis? Um, okay, the last couple years it's been really dark with all the book banning uh, that's been going on. Different states have been some have been really bad. Um, you know, both you and I have had some experiences with that in our school districts, and it's just such a bummer just a complete sad situation that's happening and i don't understand it um but i i'm hoping that this year will be you know we're starting to maybe see a little bit more of the fighting back against book bans you know um there was the illinois law that got passed that's sort of like the first state law that sort of like bans book bans in a way um, so that was just wonderful to see something like that, like like uh, politicians are looking at this and they're caring about this. And Penguin Random House and some famous authors, they're like suing the state of Iowa for some of the um, the book policies that they have going on there. So I'm just hoping that that kind of gains steam and we keep fighting against um, book banning. You know, it's um, hopefully yeah. the tide kind of changes here. Yeah, for me, I feel like children's literature teacher librarian social media is like everyone wants twitter to be what it used to be so everyone keeps going to different places yeah and i don't know what to do so there's like threads came out like oh threads it's twitter but then no one really uses threads and then blue sky and then, like, some people use Blue Sky, and then that's the thing, and then you get codes, and then you invite people. So um, I guess my question is for you, Travis, what are, if you had to say, two social media apps that you would be most likely to open um, just, like, while you're chilling, watching sports card video, on people opening sports packs, <laughs> what were the two social media accounts or apps be what would you look at instagram number one for sure and honestly um that's like number one by a lot and then way way down is probably like sadly facebook and i, I don't know it's just like i it's 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 uh i all the people who are on there mo most almost all the people on there are like people i'm interested in like seeing what they're doing and you know i'm friends with people who i want to be friends with and so that's that would probably be number two what about you well so twitter now has this by default like a for you page i think it's like modeled after how like tiktok does their algorithm and it's not necessarily who you follow but i think like what you engage with and mine has become like mostly uh michigan state university sports <laughs> like so uh i feel like twitter for me now is um college athletics and following my teams um so i still think twitter's probably number two for me um behind instagram but twitter and facebook are probably pretty close yeah. but i have like threads and i have blue sky and i rarely ever check those I don't even really know how to use them. So, 
Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's like what makes it what makes it useful is when everyone's on a certain platform, you know, and like no one has there's no consensus out there. And so everyone's just kind of trying stuff out and nothing's really sticking. Yeah, I do feel like if something happens in like the world of sports, the world, world of children's literature in the news, politics, like I still feel like Twitter is the place to go. Yeah. Like when something's going on, like, but anyways, favorite debut author, Travis Yonker. Gary Gray Jr. He is the author of a picture book called I'm From. It's illustrated by Oge Mora. And this was just an awesome debut. Uh, Gary Gray Jr. is a teacher. And in this story, the main character is a boy who's kind of like a writer, drawer, creator kind of kid, creative kid. And he's just talking about his experience, like his life, his family, his friends, his school, what what things are like for him. And um, it's just such a beautiful book. Oge Mora is the person where every time she has a book that comes out, I want to see it. She does these amazing cut paper illustration, uh, illustration work. And she, uh, you know, I'm sure the Caldecott committee, every time she has a book is paying attention to. She's just one of the best people going right now. So what about you? What uh, debut author? Yeah, I went with Christina Wyman. She just came out a couple months ago with a book called Jawbreaker. Had her on the show. She's a professor at Michigan State University. It's a story of a girl who um, lives with her mom, dad, and sister, and they're really struggling financially. She's got some really intense uh, orthodontic work that needs to happen. Uh, She might have to have double jaw surgery. And uh, her sister is really, really mean to her. Kids at school are just awful to her with what's going on um, with her teeth and calling her all kinds of names. And it's really intense and really rough. And uh, I think the publisher is using the line, it's like wonder meets smile, which is uh, pretty, reminds me of uh, when The Unwanted's came out and they were like, Harry Potter meets Hunger Games. Uh, So... Uh, pretty smart marketing, but I, I really love the book, and uh, we actually just finished reading it aloud today, which was just awesome. Like when you get a chance to spend time in a middle grade novel with a bunch of fifth graders, just that wrapping it up is such a wonderful moment. So, Christina Wyman, for you, favorite illustrator. I'll go first. Travis Yonker, my co-host, <laughs> who ha- came out with a book called Just One Flake that he wrote. Matthew Cordell didn't illustrate this one. Travis <laughs> debut illustrated this one, and it was so much fun, and it was so exciting to read, and the art is so unique and different and wonderful and magical, and I am really happy and proud of you, Travis. And, you know, you, if your friend's coming out with a new book, you want it to be great. And when it is, it's just it's just that's good for me because then I get to win because I'm rooting for you. And when my team wins, I win. So Travis, uh, I'm excited. And you're working on, I believe a companion book to that. Is that true? Yeah. Um, it's called just one wave. It takes place in the summer. It's kind of like the, my ode to Lake Michigan, which is like my favorite place in the world. So you can go back retroactively and write off every trip to Lake Michigan you've had like, the last <laughs> 10 years on your taxes. People talk about and this. I, the, I still don't understand how to do it. Um, but if I've ever figured it out. Even the mileage. Just just, <laughs> just the mileage. Just it's 10 miles to the lake. 20 ever, mile round trip. So, if I ever figure that um, out, I'm going to do it. Is, is it the same child? Yes. So Liam is back. This time Liam, uh, we learned Liam has a sibling. And um, okay. so, yep, takes place on a summer day in Michigan at Lake Michigan. If there were, if there were ever to be a third book, 
would you consider um, giving Liam a, a rabbit? I would. I would consider giving Liam yes. a rabbit. <laughs> yes, let's go, Liam. I just we got you a rabbit. That would be amazing. Absolutely. Um, so just one rabbit. Let's go. Um, just one pet. Oh my gosh. Just one pet. Oh man, what pet should I get? I think the the uh, the posthumous Dr. Seuss. What pet should I get? I think that already covered that territory Pr- uh, pretty pretty nicely. That's actually one of my favorite Dr. Seuss books to read aloud. Anyway. Prudence Wants a Pet. Do you remember that book, Prudence Wants a Pet? It's by like mm. Kathleen Daly, I think. It was just, she ended up getting like, it was like a, it was a long book. It wasn't like top. You would remember it if you saw it's it. But she really wants a pet. She gets a stick. She gets like, oh, what a, she gets all kinds of, a rock, different things anyways. You would love that. Um, how about you, Travis? Debut illustrator. Debut illustrator. Nick Henderson. Uh, he illustrated a book called Granny Rex, written by Curtis Scaletta and... it's just one of those books where like you open it up you're like oh who's this what's what's this artwork all about kind of reminds me a little bit of like Matthew Forsyth um, who he did the book Paco and the drum and he's done some other great books but it's kind of in that same realm Um, just some really beautiful artwork if you get a chance to check out Granny Rex uh, you should do it what about uh, the most impressive book Colby Travis I think John Clausen's The Skull is the best book of the year whether it is written for any age, any book, it is the best book, in my opinion, written in 2023. It's so weird. And like, you just, are you even thinking like, are you allowed to do this in a children's book? And he does it and he hits a home run. And every kid in my class that read it, which is almost everyone, was like, what did I just read? I loved it. So for me, the skull is awesome. When when near the end they're like taking the bones and they're like wait they're like burning the bones or something or crushing throwing, them crushing yeah. the bones. Yes, uh, you're like oh my gosh this is incredible and no other book has ever done this like in modern children's books. You know it's just it's amazing John Clausen well done. Um, my most impressive book is by Grace Lynn. And I don't know if you've seen this book, Chinese Menu, The History, Myths, and Legends Behind Your Favorite Foods. Grace Lin is incredible. She's like, they have like the EGOT, you know, for, for Emmy, Grammy, Tony, Oscar winners. She's like almost like got the EGOT for Geisel, um, Newberry, Caldecott. She's got all kinds of awards. In I think she's a National Book Award finalist. National Book Award. Um, but this book, you open it up and it's just overwhelming thinking about the amount of work and the amount of time she must have put into this book. All of the paintings. This is not some thin picture book. This is like a thick 100 plus page um, book where there's like paintings on every page talking about um, different Chinese food. And I just I have to give it up to her because that is an incredible amount of work for this book and it turned out beautifully. So we are a little about a little over a month away f- from the American Library Association announcing their Youth Media Awards, and we actually have the same book, Travis, for the book that we most expect to be named by at least one committee. And what book is that? We both said an American story by Kwame Alexander and Dare Coulter, a book that we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, for me, it's just I don't know how a group of people could 
all look at that book and not think that it's among the best of the year um, in in illustration and in text. It's just it's an incredible book and it's the one that I would be shocked if it didn't get some sort of recognition. Yeah, and if we were on one of like the if you could use like the sports betting apps to gamble on children's literature, uh, American an American story is eligible. It has a real shot to win so many awards, right? Like Credit Scott King author, Credit Scott King illustrator, Newberry, Caldecott. Like it really, I really could see it being one of those books that's just littered with stickers when it's all said and done. Absolutely, Colby. If you had to guess one book that was going to be honored by the Caldecott Committee. What book would you pick? I think Big is as close to a lock as we've had in a long time to be at least named in honor. Like, I just can't see a world where that's not at least one of their top choices. So that's what I'm going with. Travis, how about you? I think Big is a great choice. Uh, Mine is Once Upon a Book by Kate Messner and Grace Lynn. There's Grace Lynn again. Um... This book is, it has so many elements that I could just see the Caldecott Committee loving. You know, just the visual elements, the visual storytelling in this book, all the details that happen uh, along the way. I think the Caldecott Committee is going to love talking about this book. And I think it's one where um, I would pick it as, you know, a Caldecott winner or a Caldecott honor for sure. Um, Colby, if you had to guess one book to be honored by the Newberry Committee, what book would you pick? I love that we both have a graphic novel here. Yeah. I am going with Mexican, which we've talked about earlier. And I don't think anything else needs to be said. It's just really special and really unique. It felt different from everything else that I've, that I've read. And I think a lot of times uniqueness is celebrated with the Newberry. Yeah, it um I, I I don't think I mentioned this earlier. When I first read it, I, and I think I may have even told Pedro when he was on the show before we recorded, I it it seems like a book from someone who doesn't make children's books all the time. And I mean that in the best possible way. Because you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is doing all kinds of stuff and like taking risks and doing stuff that you just don't see in children's books all the time. And so it's, you could tell that it's like a guy who's coming at children's books from a different angle and it turned out so cool. So my book is also a graphic novel. I can't believe it's been this long since we've brought into the show before we brought this book up first time for everything by Dan Santat, which is absolutely one of my favorite books of the entire year. Dan Santat, it's a graphic memoir about his trip to Europe Um, as he was, what was he just about to enter high school? And it's like, it's a, it's a first love story. It's a travelogue. It's, uh, you know, it, it hits on the Wimbledon tennis tournament in the climax. It's just, (laughs) it's this amazing story where you can't believe all these things really happened to Dan Santa and it ties together beautifully. This is a book that could do the thing that you have wanted a book to do for so long, right? What what is your what is your hope for this? Well, Holes, which I think is the greatest children's book ever written, is the only book, to my knowledge, that has won the Caldecott Medal and the National Book Award. And Dan won the National Book Award for a first time for everything. And Travis, one of the things that I think is interesting with a first time for everything is it also 
is on that, like, you know, 14, 15 year old reader age, right? With how old Dan is in the book. I wouldn't be surprised to see it considered for a prince as well yep. because it, it kind of borders that. I remember when it was, I think it was navigating early. Um, Claire is a Vanderpool who wrote Moon Over Manifest. We were all thinking that that had a shot at a Newberry and it won a prince. So I'm curious to see what the, and those committees don't talk to each other, I don't think. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that book because it is really special yeah it's a great book and it was so cool to talk to dan on the podcast this year but before um before we get to that the dark horse newberry and caldecott possibilities i'm going with the skull um it is on like the matt caldecott list so it's not like uh throwing out a title that I remember when, like, Breaking Stalin's Nose won a Newberry Honor. Everyone was like, what is this book? Um, but I don't think The Skull is necessarily, like, your typical Newberry-type book. And I read it six times, Travis. I even read it aloud once just to myself, which I've never really done. It was kind of weird. Um, so I'm all in with The Skull. I'm all in. Um, I lo- you brought that up when we were uh, vo- on Voxer a while back. You were like, is this book the one, you know, it's going to cross over and like hit all these different categories? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. Um, so Dark Horse Possibilities. I know it's been talked about, but it's such a tweener kind of book. I feel like it's not getting tons of recognition like for one specific category. You know, it's kind of like floating around in there. Um, so the, my dark horse, um, pick was jumper a day in the life of a backyard jumping spider by Jessica Lannon. And this is a nonfiction picture book. It's got these beautiful watercolor. I think it is illustrations and, um, nonfiction. It's so rare for nonfiction to get any kind of Caldecott recognition. It's pretty rare when that happens. And so I thought this is one that definitely, um, could be, could be up there. There's two other books that, um, are by, you know, people who I think folks know about or books that people know about, but you know, maybe they aren't getting quite the talk as some of the other books are in every life by Marla Frazee, who's already had Caldecott recognition. You know, she's incredible. Um, and also beneath by Corey Dorfeld. Um, that one is just another beautiful book. And those, I could see those, um, kind of maybe surprising some folks in, in getting uh, Caldecott recognition. I love I love reading aloud beneath to kids. It's yeah. a beautiful book. Yep. Um, what's a book that you wish you read and you haven't read yet? Um, well, in when you, when you were talking about the probability of everything by Sarah Everett, um, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to read this book, and I still haven't read it. Um, it sounds like such a unique book, so that's one where um, I wish I had read it, and I still might read it. Um, another one, I can't believe this. The First Cat in Space and the Soup of Doom. How have I not read that book yet? I actually checked it out from the library yesterday. It is in my house, and I am on my uh, winter break right now from school. And so that's like the top of the to-read pile right now, written by Mac Barnett, illustrated by Sean Harris. 
Yeah. Um, there's some, some poison in that one, Travis, some poison. So <laughs> hold on tight. Um, Catherine Marsh, The Lost Year. It's a historical fiction book that was nominated for, or it was a finalist, I believe, for the National Book Award. Yeah, it was a National Book Award finalist. And I usually try to read all of the National Book Award finalists if they are like middle grade. And I, I actually checked that out and then it became overdue. So I returned it. But that would be one that I would really like like to read as a historical fiction lover. Travis, what was your favorite episode of this podcast that everyone's listening to right now? What was your favorite episode in 2023? So I mentioned it just a second ago, um, how fun it was to hear Dan Santat on the podcast. He just does such an awesome job talking about a first time for everything. And the fact that that book is drawn directly from his real life made it, made that episode, I think so much more interesting um, he's just does a great job talking about his work in general. And this book was like taken to the next level because of what that book was. Also, anytime we get a chance to talk to Kate DiCamillo, it's always yeah. a favorite. And so I got a chance to talk to her live at ALA over the summer. And she is just the best person ever to talk to. She is funny. She is interesting. She, um, you know, she just, her heart, she kind of wears her heart on her sleeve a lot of times in an interview, which is just such a cool thing. And it's just, it was great to talk to her. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. It was the Dan Santat interview. Um, he has been interviewed so much and so many times for that book. And I got to talk to him first, which was yeah. really, I think, cool. So he was, he hadn't like talked about these things yep. over and over. And I, I don't like, I'm not like blaming people who've done lots of interviews, but not that they all sound the same, but I feel like when you get to talk to them first, it's really fun. And um, Dan isn't afraid to just say things. Like he's not looking to sell books in an interview. I mean, I'm sure that's like part of it, but he's just, he wants to answer the question that you ask really well with no ulterior motive. He's just talking about books with you and it feels very similar we've hung out with him it just feels like you're talking to dan at a conference hotel bar well the the last question we always ask travis are we you you up for doing the podcast another year (laughs) (laughs) let's do it i have i have uh i still have interviews interviews in the can we have we have a bunch (laughs) we have a bunch to release um that i've already recorded yeah um so let's keep let's keep it rolling yeah so thank you all for listening to this to this episode of the yarn and thank you for supporting the show uh in 2023 we look forward to bringing some amazing episodes to you thank you to heineman press for sponsoring this episode as always thank you to philip stead for creating our theme song any additional music that you hear on the show comes from the free music archive i'm colby sharp with my friend travis yonker thanks for listening